Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. We've been very fortunate in 2023 to have uh, some terrific guests quite willing to join us and speak with us about issues that matter to each and every one of us. And one of those really, really terrific guests is Daryl Bricker, the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs and the author of the book that I consider really a must-read and a must-own for everybody in this country. If you care about what's going to happen, you need to get Daryl's book next. For measuring the mood of Canadians on a myriad of issues in 2023 was Ipsos Public Affairs, and they did a tremendous amount of polling for Global News. And uh, we have an opportunity now to speak again with Daryl about 2023 and where we may be headed and where the moods may change or where they may just harden as we get into the new year. Daryl, thank you uh, for, for joining us, and thanks for everything you did for us throughout 2023. Well, it's always a pleasure, Roy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I, I have this question that I've just been thinking about, and that is people have been so at odds with so much, and legitimately so, uh, in the last 12 months, at least in, in my view. Are people willing to, do you find people are really willing to engage in providing their opinions when Ipsos calls and says, we're, we're, we're doing a, a survey. I don't quite know how you, how you phrase it, um, but we're doing, we want your opinion, your view on this issue, and it's a volatile issue. Are people willing to share? Yeah, they seem to be. I mean, so uh, what we uh, were able to track is people's reaction an awful lot to what's actually happening in the public environment. So what's happening in their lives, what they're reading about in the news, what they're talking to their friends about. And when we do get in touch with them, uh, they do seem to be willing to respond to surveys. Uh, the, the thing, though, these days is that you can't do them as easily as you used to be able to do them, uh, in the sense that you could just do one survey and get everybody. Uh, now we have kind of multiple ways of contacting people and having conversations with them. So I think we do get a pretty good sense of what's going on in, in terms of the conversations that people are having and what they care about. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting you're not doing that. I'm just wondering how, how willing people are to talk. They're, I find people are willing to argue. Uh, and but not often willing to talk. And uh... oh, you know it's funny. Uh, we, uh, and you know you um, you deal with this every time you go on the air. You get people who are really excited to talk. You know they have strong opinions about things. Right. But it's that pe group of people who are in the middle. You know the common sense Canadian that's out there uh, that um, uh, they may not be strident in their views. They may be quiet in their views, but they do respond to surveys. And, and you and you get to see how extreme the extremes are and where most of the people sit. And most of the people sit in a fairly middle place in terms of most political issues or socialist issues that you would want to talk about. They're, they're, they're pretty common sense. Yeah, it's a good thing to remember. I, I tend to run into people who want to argue with me about something I said on the air. 
And uh, and I, I always say, look, I'm not working right now. If you want to pay me, I'll do a show with you. <laughs> but, but I'm not working right now. Here's my hourly rate. You want to do it? Um, Carol, let's start with this. What do people feel good about at the end of 23? Well, they feel good about their families. They feel good about their uh, their own uh, their own personal aspirations and and how they're living their lives. But they're feeling under a lot of pressure trying to do those things. So it's not like Canadians are into self-loathing or anything of that nature. For the most part, they think that they're in a, you know they're, they're pretty reasonable people. But they find that the world is getting harder and harder to deal with, uh, particularly at the moment on anything that has to do with the cost of living. It's not inflation; it's the cost of living. And has that dominated? Canadian attention in, in 2023? And if it has, has it been a straight line or has it been a fluctuation? No, it's been pretty dominant. It's, it's really what happened is once COVID declined, you saw inflation, cost of living issues really take the place of where COVID was. And not just in Canada, it's, it's a pretty universal thing right now. People are very concerned about the cost of living around the world. Yes, it's related to inflation. Yes, it's related to interest rates. But really what they're saying to us is it's not about these technical types of economic things that uh, uh, you know that central bankers talk about or people who are reporting on the economy talk about. It's things like going into the grocery store and not being able to afford to buy what they used to be able to buy. It's getting their mortgage bills, their mortgage bills in and saying, you know what, I, this is unsustainable for me. It's it's having to deal with things like rent. It's you know all the things that go into just trying to get by on a daily pay, uh, basis for 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 most people, other than the truly affluent these days, are, are just getting harder and harder. And when you have those kinds of pressures on you, um, you don't really have a lot of space to think about uh, you know big issues that are confronting the world. You're really focused. Your your space gets a lot smaller and more personal. Okay, yeah, I I understand that. You mentioned uh, housing, uh, mortgages, and rent. Let's talk about that. How volatile an issue is that? What do you want to share with us about the housing issue? Explosive. It's explosive. And the reason that it's explosive is this is the first time in my professional career, and I've been doing this about 35 years, where we've ever seen housing this high on the list of concerns that people have. And the difference in the character of the issue is it's not specifically anymore about the homeless or low-income housing. It's middle-class people saying, I can't get the type of housing that I feel that I'm entitled to because of all the things that I've done right in my life. This is, this is really what the, the, the tragedy is on the, on, on the housing front. It's people who are um, middle-class saying that I'm now being denied what I feel that I've earned. Yeah, we're talking about a, a roof over your head. This is what we're talking about. If we break it down to the most um, basic common denominator, we're talking about shelter. I spoke with somebody a couple of days ago who said to me, I spent 20 years saving and then buying and then maintaining my home, paid my mortgage every month, took care of the repairs that had to be taken care of, provided a home as best I could for, for my kids as a single dad. And he said, and now, because of circumstances that I have no control over, I'm probably going to lose that home that I saved for, that I invested in, that I cared about, that I still care about. He said, I'll make some money when I sell it. But that's not what it's about. I'm going to lose. He looked at me, he said, Roy, I'm going to lose my home. And that just struck me, Daryl, and I thought, there are so many people who are feeling 
probably exactly the same way. I talk about, you know, and, and I'm not being flippant when I say it, but I say that I see the surrender signs at the, at the, at the, on people's lawns and the surrender sign to me, when I see a whole bunch of them in a neighborhood where two years ago, you never would have seen one, or if you did, it was down in a day, the for sale sign, you're seeing them more and more. And I think that story of that person I talked to is in a, you know, depending on what the family dynamic is, that story is being repeated over and over and over again across this country. Yeah, it reminds me of the early 1980s. Is, is that bad, eh? We're going back to, yeah, because people are really feeling uh, that they're in precarious, they're in a precarious situation. And, you know, we've really only been through about a year of the situation in extreme where interest rates have really, you know, ratcheted up considerably. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people uh, coming up in 2024 20, uh, that are going to have their mortgages coming due. And it's going to be shocking for them. And they're already sitting on an awful lot of debt um, because it probably cost them a lot of money to get that house. So it's, it's, and it's not just the roof over their head, Roy. It's, it's a really important point about a roof being over their head. It's that roof is their sense of success, their sense of wealth, their sense of achievement. Yeah. Life. Yeah. And when you take that away from somebody, you say everything that I've worked for over the space of whatever period of time is it, it no longer represents who I am. Yeah. And that's what we're facing. Yeah. That's what that dad was saying. I'm sure that uh, you put uh, so succinctly into what you know, the emotions that he was feeling. And, and honestly, I thought he was going to start to cry. There wasn't anger, there was just utter disappointment. And, and he said, I, it's not because of me. Um, and he said, you know, that sounds rather selfish when I say that, but it's not because of anything I did. It's what's happened to me and so many people in this country. So the, the housing issue is, uh, is, is extremely volatile. Let me just read you this. It's Global News headline. Most voters still say Trudeau should resign and expect an election in 2024. That's a December 17 Global News story. I'll just read you a couple of lines. A majority of Canadians again said in December that it's time for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to step aside from this role and as leader of the Liberal Party, but most don't believe he will do it. And over half of Canadians think there will be an election this year. The new polling done by Ipsos exclusively for Global News found that 69% of Canadians feel Trudeau should resign as Liberal leader and Prime Minister, and the findings come after earlier polling by Ipsos for Global News done between November 14 and 17, suggesting 72% of Canadians felt the same, marking a three-point decrease in the sentiment, but within the poll's margin of error. So what do we have here, Daryl? 69% is a big number. Yeah, and in the previous poll, we found a third of people who were voting for the Liberal Party felt that. Remember, we've got the Liberals down to about 25%, so... Um, it's, 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 it's pretty overwhelming. Uh, I can't really remember numbers like this at the federal level, probably till, you know, since back to Brian Mulroney back in, uh, in, in, uh, the, uh, the early 1990s, 93, uh, where people, yeah, people so worked up about having a, a prime minister go. Um, and that's, that's basically what we're seeing right now. And they, the then progressive conservative party led by Brian Mulroney, um, wound up with two seats. Yeah, they certainly did. And, and, you know, people kind of misremember things historically. But what happened in that election was that uh, it wasn't so much that the Liberals won, although they did in in the end win. It was that the the Conservative support completely fell apart. 
and people went to all sorts of other places. Now, the liberals aren't vulnerable in the same way because there's no reform party in Bloc Québécois uh, sitting within their own caucus to just evaporate and go to other places. But uh, yeah, they're in, they're in pretty pretty difficult circumstances. I would say something looking back to where they were in the 1980s, or you know, even. Uh, later than that, under Ignatiev and beyond, they're in, they're in very, very difficult circumstances. So, if we were to talk about uh, politics and the mood of Canadians, or maybe we should find a different word other than politics, but it'll serve until we find one. Um, and I, I suspect we could do it in five minutes if we set our heads to it and minds to it. But if you if you if you enter politics into a discussion, you have ten Canadians sitting at a table, different parts of the country, different ages. Um, and, uh, and, and you, you bring up the issue of federal politics, how many, how energized are they going to become? And particularly if the issue of a potential federal election next year enters the discussion. Well, they're actually fairly energized. Now there are people who are always into politics and they're going to talk about this, but even people who were voting for Justin Trudeau in the last three elections, uh, who were initially excited by uh, uh, the prospect of him ruling the country back in 2015 when he won, even they're tired of it. Um, and even, even if they don't hold any animosity toward uh, the incumbent prime minister, their, their view is that it's probably time for a change. So unless um, uh, that changes, that's where we're headed. Yeah, I, well, I'm, I, I have my own views, and it's not important that I express those in, in our conversation today. What, uh, Daryl, what, what interests you? What got your interest in 2023? I think the thing that interested me most was the emergence of the priority on cost of living. Because we, we haven't really seen that um, in, in some time. Uh, and, you know, we've just been through the pandemic and, and how the country was going to come out of that and what was going to be the preoccupation of Canadians, and, and but also around the world. And there were a lot of people I remember at the, the start of the pandemic, and even at the midpoint of the pandemic, were saying things like, well, we could be moving into a roaring 20s type of a situation, that there's going to be a great amount of exuberance that's going to come out of the, uh, the pandemic, and people are going to have a lot of confidence, and we're going to have a lot of, uh, of pent-up energy that we want, we're, we're going to want to get out in a positive way. That's basically not happened. So uh, that's the thing that's really interesting to me, how one... Uh, crisis seems to have been replaced by, and crisis is an overused word, by another fundamental preoccupation in terms of public opinion, and that is this issue of the cost of living. Again, an antecedent to, to, the, uh, to the pandemic. We're still living through the consequences of it. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.